Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, and I am the host of this daily podcast, which is typically about music and creative culture in London. Today's episode is a first in Saturday Night Out... Saturday? Where on earth am I? Today's episode is a first on Saddest Night Out history, because it's the first time I've had an interview with someone where they aren't in the room with me. Today's guest is Ant Henson, who is a famous, and I will say famous, host of an open mic in London. He used to host The Wedge Issue on Fridays, which has recently come to an end, but he is a man of many talents, of which you will hear about in today's conversation, and we are speaking to each other via Skype. We were meant to get together yesterday, but yours truly here overslept, so I missed the chance, but he said maybe we can do it over the phone, and when we got talking, he said he can record his end, but I didn't have the means to record mine. But I managed to hunter-gatherer style, acquire the means to record both of our sides of the conversation. So we spoke via Skype on a laptop. He was was coming through the speakers on the laptop. I had my phone recording as I typically do. I've just listened back to it and it doesn't sound half bad. I think you can clearly make out what both of us are saying. There's that slight telephone voice that you often get. If If you're a fan of podcasts and you've ever heard an episode where someone's on the phone you all know what I'm talking about, but all parts of this episode are perfectly delible, legible. I don't know what word I'm going for here. I'm rambling, and it's only like two minutes into the intro. So today's episode, I'm talking to Ant Henson, who tells us all about his history of creating art. And then afterwards, I might catch up a little bit on what I'm up to. I am realising now, the more I have episodes done by appointment, rather than showing up to an event and just spontaneously seeing who's there the longer the episodes are becoming because it feels a bit more comfortable it feels a bit more formal so we can have some more in-depth discussions we had yesterday with Marianne which was about 20 minutes this one is a similar length so I guess maybe we I would still like to do some episodes where it's just impromptu whoever I come across but I quite enjoy I'm enjoying this new phase of saddest night out where I have a bit more of a sit down chat with someone so, yes, do enjoy this chat between myself and Ant Henson, and I'll see you more afterwards. And we are live. Yes, I'm seeing the red lines. Audio is being captured. Folks, we are in a first for the Saddest Night Out podcast, in that the person I'm talking to isn't here with me physically, but I'm talking to them through the wonders of modern technology. Will you please introduce yourself, guest? Hello, everybody. My name is Ant Henson. Um... I'm a musician and an actor and a, an inventor and all sorts. Um, but yeah, and a friend of the marvellous Roy the Destroyer. <laughs> Thank you. Roy and Destroy since whenever he was born. <laughs> Thank you for the new nickname. <laughs> they, they say there's a modern, I don't know phenomenon is the right term, but these days a lot of people fit into the title of a multi-hyphenate in that they do many different things in their career. Not they don't just have one trajectory. There's got lots of things going on at the same time. And you are if you look up multi hyphenate in the dictionary, you will find Ant's face next <laughs> to that name. That's exactly what you are. So I'd like to try and take a step back to somewhere near the start. When did you first perform in front of other people? Oh, um, it's going quite a way back. Mm-hmm. Um, I must have been about um, eight or nine, something like that. Um, maybe 10 mm-hmm. and I, I actually I was performing on stage originally acting 
Um, and it's it was kind of a opening a doorway to a whole world of performance that would lead directly on to my involvement in, in playing live music as well. Um, but I mean, there's a bit of a story behind how how I got into it. I mean, I've always been interested um, massively in music and and in the ideas of performing. But um, there's I've got quite a personal sort of drive that really propelled me into it. When I was um, a younger kid around that age, uh, I was I was bullied quite a lot at school, mm-hmm. and I was I had sort of very low self esteem, and I, I didn't realise at the time, obviously, but in adult life, kind of when I went into some sort of therapy and stuff, I, I was suffering from depression even back then. Um, so the actual performance, um, the opportunities to, to get out of, of myself and to be someone else, especially with the acting kind of stuff, initially really did um, open the door to kind of find myself. And it sounds kind of weird finding yourself at like 10, 11 years old, but it genuinely was like that. It was um, discovering a whole new side of, of who I could be. Um, which gave me gave me really a, an enormous wave of confidence. Um, and I, there's a few people that really, really helped me out um, along the way. There was a guy who sadly is no longer with us, but he was a, a great friend, Gavin Duteau, who used to run the Maverick Drama Group down in, in Parkstone and Poole, uh, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, he, he really encouraged me and a lot of other people to go out and just to express themselves, just to, to be confident with who they are and to to play, to really play around on stage and gave a lot of people the, the real opportunity to be kids and, and that's whether they were kids or adults, <laughs> which I think is a, a really powerful thing. And then that just led into falling in love with the idea of performing and, and the freedom that it gives you to, to be whoever you want to be, to do whatever you want to do, to create whatever you want to create, um, which I think is a really, really, really powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. So it's in... It's in retrospect that you've realised the full therapeutic benefits oh, of yeah. your yeah, yeah, starting definitely. performing. So you started out as acting. So I'm guessing that's going on stage and performing other people's material. When did you start creating your own material and then performing that and sharing that? Um, it's a bit later. I mean, I was already playing music um, around the age of... I started playing guitar when I was about 10 or 11. Um, and I was playing classical stuff. So that was all other people's stuff, South American, Spanish kind of pieces. Um, but the whole time there was something bubbling away, wanting to create something else myself. And, and with the acting side of it, I think that is something creative in as much as you, you can take 10 different actors playing the same words on a stage and there is, every single performance will be different. Every Everything will give something different to the audience. Um, so there was already that that just being nudged gently into existence. And then I started writing songs properly um, a few years later. Um, I was in a kind of very silly <laughs> heavy rock band when I was about 14 um, called The Reapers. We were an odd mixture of, of me who was into kind of old rock stuff. We had a few Iron Maiden fans. We had um, a heavy metal fan, a prog fan. It was it was quite interesting. Were you all about the same age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were all kids. We that's were just an, in the same class at school. Like, breadth of like music tastes at that age. You had a 14-year-old into prog. Yeah, 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 Tommy. Um, Tommy's a a strange and marvellous creature. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we we turn up. I say we're a band. This is very much the first school band where... um, I remember we were discussing with mates about who who was going to play what. Uh And then we're like, oh, we haven't got a bassist. And we're like, oh... 
you can play bass, Luke. And Luke was like, mate, I, I don't play bass, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a great keyboardist. He's like, no, 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 you've got to play bass. <laughs> you're a bassist. Um, and I think we played one gig, which was in Tommy's bedroom, um, to a bunch of the girls from the girls' school, because I was at an all-boys school, and the girls' school was just down the road. Uh-huh. Um, and they came around, and we showed off to them, and it was absolutely awful. And they were, they were very candid about the fact that it was absolutely awful. Um, but at the same time, it was the first time we'd ever managed to get four girls into Tommy's bedroom. So um, I think we all saw it as a great success, uh, despite the fact the music was pretty terrible. And I'm guessing, similarly to taking the stage for the first time, it sounded like you caught the bug and really felt the positive, like the benefits of it and wanted to keep doing it. Was it the same after the Reapers? Like, once you had a first taste of putting your own music out there, where you're like, right, I want to keep doing this, I want more of this? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, maybe being a teenager as well, it was it was slightly a, an opportunity to forge an identity as well. And I remember, I guess it's the same with anyone, but I remember when I was that age, it was there was very much a kind of tribal identity thing between different groups um, and... Like, you know, the emo culture was just becoming massive and, and all of that. Um, and we kind of fitted into, we were we were very much the in-betweeners at school. <laughs> so we, we weren't the cool kids at all, but we fitted into our own little rocky group. Um, and yeah, that was probably driving it at the time. But then later on, a couple of years later, I started a more, a more serious band where we were all really into it. Mm-hmm. Um, my buddy Adam, who was the singer, had all his recording gear and was really keen to learn about that. So we were called Undercurrent and we, we played around, did loads of gigs around the, the local town when we were like 16, 17, 18. Okay. Uh, we had a few really fun years. We, I remember playing at various you know community centres and working men's clubs and people's 16th birthday parties and stuff like that. Um, cool. And we were playing our own music and that was, yeah, the next step. Okay, so all of this is mainly happening in your hometown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we did one gig in London. Um, I didn't move to London until about seven years ago. I was, you know, in my early 20s. Uh, but we did one gig in London when we were, I think, about 17. And we took a coach load of all our fans from Bournemouth and pulled up to <laughs> up London. And then yes. we, we played the gig in the middle of the day in, like, a venue next to Leicester Square, which is probably gone now. Yeah. And then a bunch of us went off to Camden afterwards just to check it out and see some of the rock and roll stuff. And then... Uh, <laughs> Then we got beaten up. Oh, oh seriously? <laughs> got beaten up for the back road, yeah. Oh, no. I got a serious kicking. Um, oh. And then, so that, that kind of put me off London for quite a few yeah, years. Yeah, that'll do that. That'll definitely <laughs> put you off. Oh, man. Oh. I'm sorry. You were, it seems like you can laugh about it now. But, yeah, I imagine that the time was a bit harrowing as a teenager to be like, oh, oh yeah. So that's yeah, the big it, when it happened, it was it was pretty grim, and it was a big bunch, like a whole group of guys. So we we didn't really stand a chance, um, but we managed to get out without having to let go of our mobile phones. We got rescued by some security guards from a nearby shop um, in the end, but we we took a good beating first. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but now in retrospect, it's quite funny looking back because I love London now, um, and and also on the way back on on the coach on the way back, we had all these all these kind of fangirls who were, who were all feeling really sorry for us so I'm not gonna lie we milked it I remember <laughs> one, I overheard one guy sort of who was in in our little group who got beaten up sat at the front of the coach he's like oh yeah they were about like you know 20 guys I think they all had baseball bats one guy had a chainsaw yeah it was, it was crazy <laughs> and it was all it was all nonsense but yeah it was, it was an entertaining experience in, yeah, so... in deep distant retrospect <laughs> yeah 
So after that, when did you come back to London? Because I imagine that's a pretty formative experience of like, oh man, I don't want to go back there anytime soon. So you said yourself, you now you love London. So when did you come back here? Um, well, I went after that. I went off to uni, lived in Reading for a few years. Um, and then I came back to Dorset and, and I was still making music. That's when I was, when I was at uni and back in Dorset was when I started playing solo okay. and doing my acoustic stuff. Um, and that was when I was really getting momentum and I was getting bigger gigs and getting a few little festivals and just playing, you know, almost every night and it was great fun. Um, and then it got to a point where, as much as I loved Dorset, I realised um, I played a lot of the places, pretty much all of them that were open and in the in the kind of immediate vicinity. I'd met most of the other musicians, and yeah. and it was it was a great great scene. But I kind of wanted to to break out of it, um, okay. and I kind of got the wanderlust. I've always I've always had a need to to keep travelling and keep finding. Like the next horizon all the time you know, i've been a jack kerouac fan for all my life and that kind of urge to push on the road has has never really left me but um right. but then yeah that really drove me to look for something else and i was doing a play um on brownsea island down in paul harbour doing some open air shakespeare there and i met a guy who went on to become one of my closest friends paul and He's, he was saying he'd been in London, he's about 10 years older than me, and he'd been in London a few years before and was thinking about going back. And I was, we sat on the boat on the way out across the harbour to go and rehearse one night. And I said, well, let's just go. Let's just move to London. Um, and part of it was maybe defiance as well. After I remember from the whole school experience of being bullied when I got out of that and, and moved on to another school and, and really started building myself back up, I kind of took a uh, an unspoken vow not to not to be ground down by experiences like that you know not to let bullies win not to not to allow any negative experience to hold me back like that which then in an odd way that made london even more attractive the fact that i've gone there had a bad experience made me want to go back and construct the experience that i wanted to have you know despite mm -hmm. that um and so i did and i absolutely loved it um I, I lived in London for seven years, um, between Woodgreen, Tottenham, Walthamstow, Stratford, um, Highgate, basically like about, about a quarter of London. Yeah, <laughs> you to... covered some ground there. Sorry? You sound like you really covered some ground there. Yeah, 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 I bounced around a lot. I lived in houses, lived in warehouses with a bunch of other artists, um, lived in some really crap houses. One, I came home from a gig one night and the ceiling had collapsed and all my stuff, uh, which is... <laughs> pretty ridiculous and then then i decided to move into a van because i got a bit annoyed with london rent yeah and then i've been living in the van for quite a few years playing my gigs and then once i had the van i suddenly had financial freedom and started pushing out more into europe and and playing in other places and yeah it's all kind of spiraled from there now whilst you've been in london we came across each other i actually came to your open mic i think a couple of years ago before i started doing these open mics myself and your Friday night at the Wedge issue open mics were pretty legendary. How did they start? Were you the first to do it or did someone else start it and then you joined them? I started that one. I, I actually started um, started doing my own open mic. I, I sort of stepped in with other people a few times for their ones. But my first own one was uh, when I was living in Tottenham. Mm -hmm. I did one at a pub um, up around there. And I'll be honest, it, it wasn't an ideal pub. The landlord had a serious pathological hatred of musicians for some reason so i'm not sure why why i was there some nights <laughs> yeah. i remember 
one point there was this this um, very quiet folk singer. She had a beautiful voice. Was playing this this meaningful, gentle song on the stage, mm-hmm. and then he turns up the football for volume. Oh god. <laughs> Pretty grim in that respect. But anyway, that that folded relatively quickly after a few months. I thought, I've got to get out of this. Um, So I got out of there and I, by complete accident, ended up um, running one at Wedge Issue, which um, until until very recently, well, it's got one more day open, was a fantastic, fantastic pizza restaurant um, in Clerkenwell. And I, I discovered that, meeting my buddy Paul, the one who moved to London with me. We were meeting up for a chat about... Um, some radical economic and technological ideas we're having and um, we'd decided to to have a chat about what what is to be done next and we um we just picked the the place he was living in Brixton I was living somewhere up north I think I'm probably still in Tottenham and we thought oh let's meet by Farringdon so we met there mm-hmm. and we had a little chat and um we didn't really know where to go and he just got his new headphones his girlfriend at the time had given him he said oh man listen to this song i just discovered this amazing song like it would just make you want to walk like you won't be able to stop moving Uh i put it on and it was big bird by eddie floyd which if you haven't heard it is the best song ever it would just get in your bones and (laughs) i started walking and it was playing and this this huge wave of euphoria was coming over me and it was like a scene from a film i was like clicking my fingers and pointing at people (laughs) finger guns everywhere huh finger guns yeah, finger guns all the way, man. I, I never <laughs> ran out of bullets. It was great. And then we, we kept on marching. And then the song suddenly ended. And I was like, oh, man, that was that was quite an experience. And I took the headphones off and we stood outside this pizza joint that also served beers. So we said, oh, let's go in and have a couple of pints and continue the discussion. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And I went downstairs to the toilet. saw this massive open space. Yeah. And I said, this is open mic territory so I, I had a chat with the owners and they said yeah we'll give it a try and we gave it a try it worked well and then and then yeah it carried on we, we were open to musicians poets comedians magicians we had a couple of mind readers come down and tried to make a real melting pot where people would from all different creative bents would hopefully come together get a chance to to kind of cross-pollinate the scenes because it's so sort of divided in london you don't often meet the creatives doing different stuff to you because there's obviously yeah. so many of us there um and try and make just a little base for people to to kind of cross over um and yeah it was great fun but sadly it was the last one last friday um yeah. so so that one is no more but it was it was great it was great to meet you as well and yourself as well you make quite an impression you are an you are an excellent host so when did it start what year was that um, right, this is, I'm really bad at dates. Uh, I'm not a very good <laughs> interviewee here, but um, <laughs> it was, it was three and a half years ago. So whenever that would be, was it now? 2019? <laughs> yeah, so, 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 <laughs> yeah. Carry the one. <laughs> um, <laughs> my fingers and thumbs yeah. out. Like we're thinking maybe 2015, 2016-ish? I think it was 20, I think it was the start of 2016. I think that's when, when we kicked off. Yeah. And were there any particularly well-known people that went through your lineups list yes yes we had a few and we had all kinds of um well we had a lot of people a real mixture from total beginners to like absolute pros some people were would keep it a little bit more quiet about who they were so we had a couple of people who have achieved a lot who just wanted to turn up for open mic but we also had a few people who were quite candid about who they were we had tony k director from american history x write some cracking songs he's been down a few times and then um we had a 
We've had, uh, if you, I don't know if you've ever done Stag's Head in Hoxton. It's just a shout out to another open mic um, every other week over in, in Hoxton. And Phil, who runs that, he's a multi-Grammy award winner. And not a lot of people know that, but he's absolutely brilliant. He's been down a few times. Um, and we also had Sam Smith rocked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he turned up, turned up late. Uh, I'm, I'm a laid back guy, but for open mic, I'm a real stickler for the rules just because... For me, the whole premise of open mic is that absolutely everyone's equal. Yeah. And it's completely open thing. It doesn't matter if you're famous or you've never got on a stage before. Um, you're, you're treated the same way. Um, and he turned up really late and his manager or whoever it was came up and he's like, hey, uh, can we get him on? And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. No problem. No problem. Um, we'll get him on at the end, which is what happens when people turn up yeah. later. And I, you know, I have no problem people turn up late. We'll just, just wait your turn. We'll get you on stage. Um, and then he's like, oh, no, no, he's really got to get on now. And I said, well, unfortunately, dude, it's, we, we've got people who have been waiting about three hours to perform. So, you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's not really fair. <laughs> so he left. So, yeah, um, sadly, he never performed at the open mic. But he did try. Yeah. He just was too late. I kind of, I can't salute you hard enough for sticking to the rules <laughs> like that. I honestly don't know if I would have been as... as as stringent as you, I might have been like, oh my God, it's Sam Smith. Yes, of course you can go on. But no, I respect that you were like, I'm really grateful you're here, but we do have a bit of a waiting list. So yeah, you've got to wait your turn. Because I'm, I'm similar to you. I'm very much like everyone's equal when they come to perform on our stage. And I, if anything, I tend to lean more towards people who are new to it because I know how nerve wracking it can be to work up the courage to go from playing in your room or playing by yourself to getting on a stage in front of strangers and actually showing people your stuff. So they're the people who I really try and make sure they have a good experience. Because if you go on stage for the first time and it goes well, you get that buzz. It's like, right, when's the next one? I can't wait to go back and do it again. And yeah, I think sometimes you get experienced people who are used to it and kind of act like they are VIP and the rules don't apply to them, etc. So good on you, sir, for sticking up for all of us, fighting the good fight at the open mics. Well, I think it's it's interesting what you said about new people and the value it has. Because... Some people think of open mics as being, you know, loads of people who never got on stage and it sometimes being a bit shambolic or whatever. But yeah. actually, it's it's not that. It's for absolutely everyone. And there's a lot of very good people who come and get who come down and play. I mean, I, I do it. I remember when I was gigging a lot more. I mean, I've, I've kind of taken a bit of a hiatus recently. But yeah. when I was gigging all the time, I love turning up an open mic because there's absolutely no pressure. There's no obligation to to do anything of any particular level of quality is no obligation to to even turn up you, you get complete freedom you can play your new stuff you can collaborate with people do whatever you want um and having that environment i think is really 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 useful for new people because there's it takes away a big chunk of the fear once you remove the judgment element from it that you get a gig or a showcase or whatever where everyone's expecting you to be good because you've been asked to go there and all that it's it's really, really important, and I think you're you're dead right on that. It's really important to focus on making sure those people have a good experience. Because sometimes I've I've seen people who have turned up, and you know, to be frank, sometimes it it might not be the best performance to kick off with. But then you see them come back week after week, and you see after yeah. a couple of months they've totally transformed. Yeah, like, and it's it's mind blowing. And it to me that's one of the most um, in, I don't know what the word is it gives me a lot of energy and a lot of um a lot of inspiration i suppose when i see people do that and stick at it and you can see someone who who was terrified to step on a stage can just flip it around and develop this confidence develop this talent 
all in in a matter of months and that's that's pretty rare and pretty special i couldn't agree more so we've kind of gone through the long and storied history of Ant Henson <laughs> up to the very recent present. Oops, sorry, are you okay sorry, sorry, I've got another, another um, line just came through, but they can wait because they're not as cool as you, Roy. <laughs> oh, shucks. I bet you say that to all the interviewers, but thank <laughs> you for So, we're now at Ant Henson present day. What have you got going on right now? Because it sounds like you've got quite a lot going on. Yes, that, I mean, that is correct. Yeah, I've, I... I am spinning a lot of plates, as always. Um, although that is that is a skill I've never mastered, so that's for the future. But um, at the minute, um, this weekend coming up, I am going to be on the stage in an acting capacity. So I'm going to be playing Hamlet in Hamlet, um, which will be open air in Reading, in Caversham Court Gardens, just north of the river. Uh, it's a beautiful little setting. It's all to raise money for Macmillan Cancer, um, and it's... It's, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a mixture of professional and amateur cast, um, and it's it happens every year. It's called 60 Hours Shakespeare. If you'd like to get tickets, um, just look up 60 Hours Shakespeare. You'll find it. We did Much Ado About Nothing last year, um, and I'm not sure what they're going to do next year, but I may well audition again. Um, it's Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and the, the premise is that they meet up, mm-hmm. and you get cast, you audition at the start of the year, you get cast, um, you get to learn your parts, but then you don't really meet properly the rest of the cast until the weekend of the performance. So we're meeting up for the first time all together uh, tomorrow night <laughs> at seven o'clock. Wow. And then we've got our first performance on Sunday night and then another one on Monday night. So it's it's a really mad way, but it's actually not that dissimilar to the way a lot of um, theatre used to work. So you'd have a, like a lot of companies of actors who would only come together um, who would be known for knowing the parts? They would know they'd have a repertoire of plays. They'd know inside out, mm-hmm. um, and they would come together and they'd be like, "Okay, well, we're doing this one in a couple of days." Especially some of the travelling groups where they might get asked to perform certain things, and they'd get a very, very limited rehearsal time. So we're trying to bring back a little bit of that, and also just have some fun, have some fun, raise some money for a good cause, and, and yeah, hopefully put on a good show. That sounds really cool. So, right, so is it fair to say right now acting is taking more of a precedent over music for you? I mean, today, on on sort of Thursday the, the 23rd of May, that is correct. <laughs> um, okay. It, it does happen to change day by day, hour by hour. So I also have a, a new song coming out next week. Uh-huh. So I've got a bit of a protest song called State of Disarray, which um, is going to be out next Friday on Spotify and iTunes, all that. Just look for my name, it's just Ant Henson. Um, okay. And that's coming out. So once that comes out, I'll probably switch over to pushing the music a little bit more. But uh, I'm also writing a book. Um, that's my main project over the next coming months um, about economic transformation and some hopefully pretty optimistic and uh, hopefully inspiring ideas about how technology could actually be the, the key the key around all of these problems of technological unemployment and um, climate catastrophe and, and all of the big issues at the moment and economic democracy and inequality and so on. Um, and so really, uh, that's my big, big focus um, wow. is working it, on that. Like you've literally, this is one episode we've done, but you just spelled out another six or seven episodes <laughs> I could do with all that you've got coming up. That's very, it, it really feels like, to kind of round it up, the the seed that was planted in you 
as a youth about getting on stage and kind of coming outside of yourself has sprouted many flowers that have benefited all of us. So thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, Is there... Thank you for getting me on here. I appreciate it. No, thank you for getting me to get, to download Skype basically, <laughs> as well. This has gone absolutely swimmingly, so thank you for that as well. Is there any one place online that people can go to to find out all that you're up to? Um, not so much. It's a little bit fragmented at mm -hmm. present. Um, the, the best thing I would recommend, if you want to check out my music, have a look on Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in the process of, of rebuilding a a kind of a website for for everything really um the book's going to be hopefully out next year um exactly when is a little bit contingent because i'm still working on it but okay. um yeah that's going to be called autosufficiency um so look out for that um and yeah and as far as acting goes i've only got the one project um on stage at the moment which is going to be hamlet which is sunday and monday in caversham court gardens in reading and that's that's it. And if you want to, obviously, get in touch with me um, at any any possible means, then, yeah, if anyone wants to chat more about any of the stuff I talked about, it's just ant at anthenson.com. I'm always willing to have a conversation. I will say, if, if anyone listening to this ever crosses paths with Ant, do ask for one of his cards because they are <laughs> magnificent. I had an open mic night last week. A new performer came. I asked them, how did you find out about our night? And they said, oh, I went to the Saturday one and bumped into this guy, Ants, and he gave me this card. And oh, my goodness, it, it, it stole the whole night for me. It was outstanding. So I'll, if anyone is lucky enough to meet you in person, I hope they manage to see one of these cards for themselves. Yeah, I hope they remember Pokemon cards as well. Some people <laughs> just think it's a, it's a strange-looking strange card with a half-naked picture of me on it, and they don't really get it. And they're like, did, did I just pick this out of a phone box? Like, what, what's all this about? Uh, but yeah, if, if you remember Pokemon cards, hopefully you'll appreciate it. But yeah. Right. And thank you very much for your time. I'll talk to you again soon. Right, thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. And that was that. An enormous thank you to Ants for joining me and for getting me to download Skype as well. A whole new world has indeed been opened up for Saddest Night Out. Who knows who I'm going to talk to next. Now, like, the, the what do you call it? The, the floodgates have been opened because now I could talk to anyone from anywhere. That might come more later because I still like the idea of capturing the ambience of being in a place with a person. But it's nice to know... I have the option, should I wish to use it, to maybe talk to someone from America or France, as was often mentioned on this, or, I know, Japan. Who knows? Anywhere now. With the power of the internet, anything is possible. I'm rambling again. It's only been 30 seconds. Come on, Roy, let's stick to a topic. Yes, I have an open mic night tonight. It's funny, Ant and I were talking about people doing an open mic for the first time. Last night, I was back at the Littleton Arms in Camden. The previous few Wednesdays, I was at Ruby's in Dalston, but unfortunately, that one is no more. We're no longer no longer having open mic nights there. The venue itself still exists. So last night was my return to Camden, and the third performer was someone who was performing for the first time ever. Her name is Shania. Her mum, Ingrid, was there. I spoke to her mum a little bit afterwards, and she was enormously proud. She said, Shania's a bit shy, but Ingrid, her mum, was the one who said, no, if you want to do this, if singing is your passion... You have to get used to kind of performing in front of crowds. And I said, our nights are perfect for that. That's exactly what we are, a stepping stone for people who are new to this to dip their toe in the pool, see if it's for them, and to get better and better. There's another performer, Nicole, who at the moment will typically sing along to a backing track 
like a cover of someone else's song with the song, not an instrumental version, but the actual song playing underneath. And she's also started out quite shy and is growing in confidence with each performance. Maybe I'll get her on the podcast too. So it was great. I knew Ant was very much a kindred spirit when it comes to the the belief system behind hosting open mics. And he was a great host for us. And who knows, maybe at some point in the future, he might host some open mic nights with us again as well. Tonight, I'm in Hoxton at the Nelsons, but Fur are playing in Carnaby Street tonight. And I want to see if there's maybe a chance I could pop by there and then go to my open mic. So watch this space. I might get a chat with them. I might get a chat with someone from the open mic. Who knows? Tomorrow, I am seeing an old friend to talk for the podcast someone who's been to many many gigs so you've got that to look forward to at least at some point this week but otherwise that's all for me i will put links to all the places you can find ant in the notes for this episode you can find me online just search for the word saddest night out all as one word you can email me saddest night out at gmail.com otherwise thank you as always for listening and i'll catch you on the next episode take care